This is Artist Stories, a podcast that centers experiences of artists whose lives have left a lasting imprint on the Southern Arizona creative ecosystem. So today I'm here with my colleague Tania Nunez. She also works with, at the Arts Foundation with me. And today we welcome Neftis, hip hop artist and rapper, writer, community organizer, and arts visionary. Hi, Neftis. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm very happy to be here today. We're so happy that you're here with us. We're happy that you said yes to Artist Stories. Uh, can you start by introducing yourself and what's it like being an artist living in the borderlands and how did Priscilla became Neftis? Yes, well, as you know, my name is Priscilla and I'm also known as Neftis. And that is a nickname that I I took <laughs> when I was in high school. I, I was reading into Egyptian mythology And I was really captivated by uh, the meaning of Neftis, which is one of the main goddesses of ancient Kemet, also known as Egypt. And she just uh, symbolizes um, the darkness and uh, that part of life that I was very connected with at that time. And I, I did change the spelling for it because of the pronunciation for my fellow Mexicans. And and so that's how Neftis came to be my my rapper name that is so cool i like the what you mentioned about darkness that mysteriousness very cool thank you for sharing that nefties yeah and it's crazy because um i i start uh reading every now and then about different parts of the egyptian mythology and every time i read more and more about nefties i get more connected to her She also symbolizes the intuition. So about 15 years later that I adopted that name, I find that it was not a coincidence. I met you, Neftis, about two years ago, I believe, um, at a show that our friend, well, my cousin Trails was hosting here in Tucson. And I saw some of your music videos and I, I was really inspired by you and, and what you were doing because I, I didn't know, you know, female rappers were doing things at the Frontera. So Maybe you could tell us a little bit about your backstory, how, how you began doing hip-hop. Yeah, so I, I was born and raised here in Nogales, Arizona, and I was living in Nogales, Sonora for the first part of my life. And just coming back and forth, that was always a thing for me, coming to school here in the U.S. and living in Mexico. And because of that heavy influence of American music, I was introduced into hip-hop very early on when I was a child by my father. Like he was a big hip hop, he is still a big hip hop head. He would dance and have a little writer and things like that. So that's kind of how I developed that love into this style of, of living, you know, it was not just the music, but just the whole thing that comes around it, the, the fashion, you know, and the way we speak and how we relate ourselves to others in the barrios and things like that. So I, I started writing when I was in, still probably in elementary, I was a good writer already, you know, with like short stories and essays and things like that. But then when we had the internet boom come to all of us and we had, um, in, in Mexico, we had those uh, cyber cafes because at that time, not everybody had computers at home, you know, or internet. We would go and, and just browse uh, the internet and download music and, and we started making our own CDs, you know, burning CDs. And when I would be looking for songs on Ares or LimeWire, I would see the instrumental 
for the songs. So that's when I really started writing on beats, but it wasn't like nothing official or I never thought of recording when I started doing that. So I would just make myself CDs with all instrumentals like Eminem, Tupac, uh, Exhibit, <laughs> Dr. Dre mm -hmm. beats. And that's how I started um, just writing on the beats, like keeping the tempo and and having some some sort of style <laughs> like that. Not really thinking much of it as a career. You know, it was just me trying to say things that I could probably not tell other people in the real life. So that's how I started writing in, in, in hip hop specifically. And then later on, I was able to meet uh, some friends that they had their own mini studio at home. They had a mic and... Uh, that's how I was invited to record my first song. And that was like 20, 2006. I had just turned 16 and I was still not Nefties. I hadn't picked a name. Like I said, it was not like I was aspiring a career or anything like that. But that kind of sort of came along the way. And that's how I started <laughs> my little career into rap music here in Nogales. I didn't really know many people that were doing it except those friends and then you know, there were a few crews that were older than us that would do regular shows. And, and that's how I started going to those hip hop events. Um, but it wasn't until years later that I really defined my my style. So it, it took me a while. Yeah, that, that's um, that's great. And and how did it feel that, that the first time you started performing? Well, at the beginning, you know, it's, it's kind of hard. I think it was just self-motivating that really took me there because I think my first performance was not good. You know, we get nervous and our throats choke up and things like that. Um, so it was really just, I don't know, my self-determination because I never really had anybody supporting me, telling me you can do it or coaching me. I had none of that. And I do think it had something to do with me being a, a girl, a female, hmm. now a woman. You know, we, we endure different things just because of that factor. I really wanted to just prove myself. And at some point, of course, I wanted to prove to others that I, that I had the skills but I did realize really early on that I had to really cultivate my mind for that. So I started reading a lot of books and just, you know, watching documentaries. And and now it's much easier. But at that time, like, we didn't have smartphones like we have now. Having an evening of documentary watching was, like, really special for me. And, and just look up to other artists and, and other females, too, that have been in the game. But here in Ogales, I never really had like a female figure to look up to up to this date. I, there's no other rappers. So it's been kind of tough, you know, and I did travel to Mexico and that's where I got to really see other females that really had good things to offer. That's awesome. And I, I guess to kind of go a little bit further about, you know, you being a female hip hop artist in, in the borderlands, how, how has that experience compared to living in other places? How is it different or how is it the same? Well, being in the border, and especially Nogales, you know, it's it's not the biggest population. When I was in Mexico City, for example, there was a lot of female rappers and really good ones. And they had good shows, good spaces for them and, and their whole equipment. They have DJs and things like that. 
So when I came back to Arizona and, and the, I wanted to stay here because of family, because I started my own family and I just like this place to live. So I, I did notice that there was not that much of a movement. And for me, I, I kind of took on that duty of creating those spaces and opening up for other females in the in the future that might want to go into this type of environment and uplifting them to do so because i did host what i think was the first feminist rap event and this was in 2017 or 2018 in nogales sonora and i, I was lucky enough that my friend mari advertencia lirica was uh, in that area so I built this event for her and we had all these girls that were in this feminist group on Facebook and I, we invited them and I got to hear a lot of their feedback of how like stories like mine or Maris inspire them to continue what they like because sometimes when we get judged just by being a woman, we, we get discouraged. It's very common that the first thing they talk about when they talk about a woman is their relationship or who's their boyfriend, etc. So a lot of girls have been turned off by that because hip hop is very dominant by males. So it's been hard, you know, I, I can't say it's, it's an easy thing. And of course it takes a lot of courage and strength and a lot of people might not be up for it just because of everything that it entails being in hip hop. And for me, that I'm not just a rapper or a voice, you know, I also like to produce other artists and, and direct projects and, and be kind of at the forefront of that organizing. You know, I just feel like it's been, it's been a lot of work that I've had to do on myself of understanding that for me, it, it goes way beyond just making a song or singing a set, you know, it goes beyond that. And there's really a message of community and roots appreciation that I that I bring to the table. That's really great. Um, yeah, I think you're a really great example for, for a lot of women in, at the border or people who, who feel like they, they don't have the power, the, the, their voices aren't being heard. And I think, you know, it's, it's, you're really great inspiration. And obviously you intersect a lot of different topics within your music you know whether it be you know mm -hmm. like female empowerment but also borderland issues um a few months ago i actually and i saw you at a protest or a demonstration in nogales called the on the line border convening which was um, a protest marking the 10th anniversary of jose antonio the 16 year old boy who was killed by a border patrol agent in nogales and so maybe talk a little bit about uh, uh, that aspect of your music, how, how you're raising awareness around border issues and what it is like to be living at the border. Yeah. So like I said, when I started, I was just, you know, writing my feelings and what I wanted to say and, you know, just things that came to my mind and all that cool stuff, you know, appearing to be stronger than I am, probably. <laughs> There's mm -hmm. a lot of ego in rap. But when I came back, and this was like in 2016, after I traveled and, and I went to school and and I started building my own family, I, I started realizing more how important that border identity is in myself. 
right? Because I went to other places and yeah, I'm from the border, I'm from the border. And some people are interested in just that factor of that, that I'm here, right? Mm -hmm. So I started taking more into consideration uh, where I'm at and the things that happen here. And it really took a turn when I made that song that you saw me perform at this protest, which is called Rompiendo Fronteras. I made that song in 2018, I believe, or 2019. And when we shot the video, they had just put the concertina wire here in Nogales at, at, on the border. Mm -hmm. And um, we had a lot of military come and, and put that up. And it's it just makes it uglier than what it already is and uh, more dangerous. So just seeing the, the back story of that, of how it was just put up without asking the city of Nogales or the people or anything, you know, it was just imposed on us. So I was really inspired by Jose Antonio's story who was shot by a border patrol agent who was on this side of the border. So through the fence, he shot Jose Antonio who was on the Mexican board, side of the border. It really um, hit me home because that's that's the road I would always walk to my house in Mexico after school. So it could have been me is what I think, you know, and and just feeling that impotence of, of his family not able to do anything about it inspired the, the few lines I, I, I say in, in the song about him. And, and it really just started making me realize how important it is for me to be here and with all these ideas that I have regarding art and music and all these links between people that uh, believe in justice. It really has an impact that someone like me is here to start a movement because at some point here in Nogales, nobody was really proud of being from Nogales. You know, everybody graduates and leaves to Tucson or Phoenix or other places and never come back. So for me, going around the world, to so to say, and then come back, you know, I feel proud of being Nogalense because of the history, because of my own family. That just made me want to spread that kind of pride for the people here. Because that way we can build something out of this place more than just, you know, leaving and, and forgetting about it. So as a fronteriza, like I relate to what you're saying about, you know, living in the borderlands and then you want to get out. And some of the, especially artists, you know, you want to make it big in another city like Tucson, Phoenix. In my case, like uh, in Mexico, you want to go to uh, the biggest city, like that is the closest, like Hermosillo. So it, it's it's so amazing to hear you say that, yeah, you, you, you were out and you were learning stuff, but you came back and you just didn't came back. Like, yeah, I'm back. And it was like, I came back and I'm planning stuff. I'm doing stuff for my city, Nogales. So I want to talk a little bit about what you did with Nogaleria. You're the founder of this cool space, Nogaleria. And can you talk a little bit more about it? What is it? What's the impact of Nogaleria? What impact do you think it has on Fronterizo artists? Yeah, so when I started uh, creating Nogaleria, at that point, uh, me and my collective, we had already worked on some art projects here in Nogales, Arizona. And there was a, an, an opening 
for a grant that the Confluence Center for Creative Inquiry from the U of A opened up. And their specific question was, how would you tell the story of the border? So I felt that I could really tell a story about the history and, um, you know, kind of take it into modern days also, but mainly touching on a few points that are really important that have not been talked about widely. For example, Charles Mingus, that became a jazz legend, worldly known, and he was born in Nogales. His father was a, a Buffalo soldier that they brought here to the border to fight with Mexicans during the Pancho Villa era. So, you know, it entail, entails a lot of history. Like, I, I only touched the tip of the iceberg with Nogaleria. So the, the artist made a, a mural because I worked with muralists that that's what they do. And I, I got them the spaces to be able to uh, portray, for example, Charles Mingus, or uh, many of you have seen the Nogales sign with the Sarape background that's close to the border crossing when you cross by foot. That's making an allusion to the curios how people would go to Nogales Sonora and buy all the souvenirs and things for their houses, like sarapes or handmade baskets, things like that, and bring them back. And it has become like a little postcard of welcoming or or even a goodbye, depending on what, where you're going, right? It, it's a sign that we have there of Nogales that we didn't really have. And uh, on the side of Mexico, there was a whole alley that was uh, transformed by murals. It's about almost 20 murals. And it was in, in this place where there's curio shop and the curios are the souvenir shops that at some point, it, it, they were really, really big here in Nogales. Even people from all over the world would come to just buy stuff. You know, it was like the place to go and it was a really big, economic um, column of Nogales. So because of a few factors, that business had been going down and now it's reduced to like this alley of those curios and the murals really transformed the place and it created that conversation now with the young people that probably had never heard about what the curios were. And so now you know, through through graffiti murals, we get to make it fun for them to be interested in something like the history of, of what happened there. My grandfather was part of the Curios uh, business. So it was it was really neat to just see how people really appreciate it. Yeah, I think that uh the main reason that people don't really, especially fronterizos, I'm talking from my perspective, it's like that we don't really appreciate the borderlands is because we don't really know the history. It's so rich. It's so much the thing that you're doing, you know, keeping that history alive and by books, by, uh, by doing murals, by organizing all of these events, you're making that happen. And the younger generations are seeing that and they're getting inspired to keep on doing what you you have been doing that's what's gonna keep our history alive so thank you for doing that and like it's amazing how you how you do all of these things but the coolest thing is that you don't just like focus on your personal projects 
you're also like trying to see how can you help your community, especially the youth in your community. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Like what's the impact of the work you do with this younger artist, this younger generation? Yes, it's been really fruitful. You know, that first phase of No Galeria was the murals and the poetry book. And from there, I kind of started this uh, also entrepreneur way of life, you know, trying to sell the stuff. But it's not just selling a, a copy of the book for, for money, you know. It's also selling that idea to people of how they can really become whatever they want. So that's why I like to have this wide range of different art disciplines where we can help people get involved in because there's the murals and for example the latest mural of no galeria was led by uh, tony plack and, and hyde frias and they had a group of uh, young people come and help and kind of like a workshop is how we worked it with them showing them how to make the mural and also everything that goes behind making a mural you know getting the permission making a contract getting all the measurements so there's people that have been really growing in that area for me it's really important to help everyone because we're such a small community that like i tell them with my uh, charles mingus um, poem really anybody could become a legend you know, being from here where it's thought it's like the middle of nowhere, there's nothing here. That's what we want to change. And when it comes to the music, it was also very non-existent of, you know, places where you can go and play or just jam or do whatever you want that it's not like, you know, a karaoke, for <laughs> example. So I, I partnered with the Hilltop Gallery here in Nogales, which last year they, they, turned 50 years being open. So we started doing this open mic about uh, a year ago. And we have a lot of kids coming. And I say kids because they're in high school or younger. And they finally have this safe space to come and just express themselves, sing a song or read some of their writing to us. And Throughout this year, I've seen such a growth in these little artists that it's amazing. Obviously, some have had uh, a background that has been already built. Like there's a there's a young musician that he's been in jazz band for years and he plays different instruments. But thanks to this open mic now, he's more confident in performing and he's doing original songs now. Wow. So that for me really has an impact that, you know, there's this little stage where people can go and try it out, see how, how it is to perform because it's very different than just singing in your room, you know, when you have people in front of you. And even if it's a small crowd, it does have an impact. So I'm really curious to see like how it's going to look like in a couple more years with all these people that have been going to the open mics and even the crowd, you know, we've, we're also educating the crowd how to be in a small environment because it's not a big stage, you know, those have, who have been to the Hilltop Gallery. It's a small gallery, but, you know, you also have to be respectful. You have to be quiet, listening, and uh, also being exposed to different art, like poetry or even theater. 
sketches or comedy, things like that. You know, it just cultivates um, the people. And, and we've had people of all ages. So I'm hoping to later see big artists coming out of it. What you've been doing is like just giving them that confidence. And I love what you said that uh, it's all ages. So it's an intergenerational community of sharing art and what you love. So thank you for doing that. Honestly, it's it's gonna it's gonna change lives. Yes, I love being there and just the the exchange that happens because like I say, we have young people, but we also have some of the elders that have been musicians forever and they're like um, teachers and stuff. But when I see them all jamming together, it kind of opens up the elders' mind into the young way of thinking and the youth also learn from the elders so that that for me is just wow you know even if if i'm not playing in the song but just seeing them play together and learn their ways for me is just like wow and like the last open mic we had a a five-year-old singing and he was obviously really shy and he had a, a small guitar and he was um just really cute and and just how the probably our eldest uh, participant there was playing along with him so it just uh, you know really has an impact on how how we have this space where we can just be together out of our work and school and and all of that you know we need that you know i'm so inspired by you nefties especially yeah as, as a fronteriza as well from Douglas, Arizona, and Agua Prieta. Um, it's really beautiful to see you planting those seeds and, and cultivating and, and nurturing the youth, like you said, but but bringing, you know, a lot of people have told me that, you know, you, you, you bring people together and, you know, from all backgrounds and artists of all types. And it's just really beautiful that that community is, is growing mm, you know, all across the borderlands. And, but you're still able to do your own thing, which is really impressive. You know, you're you're still doing music. You know, you're you're still active as an artist, as as you organize these other artists, as you have your family. You know, so you know you're a powerhouse. And again, going back, we connected. You know, a few months back at this protest, and you know, I was there with my camera. You were there with your mic, and then after you connected with me, um, to yeah. see if I could help you with a music video. So. Tell us a little bit about the music video of, of the, the the single you're you're trying to release soon and how all that's been like. Yes, no, I was really happy uh, to see you at the protest because I had been searching for someone for so long, <laughs> like you, Tanya, especially a, a woman and from the Borderlands filmmaker. You know, I had been able to work with some video producers in on Noel Sonora side. But I wanted something different, and I realized I had never worked with a female filmmaker. And I'm like, who can I work with? And then I saw you in this uh, protest in October, and I'm like, yeah, she makes film. And I started looking at your reel, you know, your website, and I was really inspired on uh, how you portray the story that you want to tell. You know, it's not just a video and, and that's what I wanted for this new song because since I have been so busy with Noaleria and the open mic and my family and all of that, 
uh, I hadn't really released any music of my own. I have only done collaborations in about a year or a little longer. So I'm like, yeah, this next single that I'm doing, which is a solo song, I, I have to make something impactful, right? So I had to have a video for it and I wanted someone who could put some heart into it. So that's when I, I contacted you and we arranged the whole filming. And this song that I'm releasing on March 15 on all platforms, it's called Despreocupada, which translates to like worryless. And for me, this song is very ritualistic in just starting your day and being worryless of anything that can happen because, you know, we can only control certain things of our lives, but we still can't just stay stuck in that. And I really like the word despreocupada because what I say is que no me preocupo, yo me ocupo. So I get busy rather than just staying stuck and, and just worrying about things. And, and that's also something that I've been working on in the last years of my life that I became a mother and all of that, you know, we, we tend to get worried about everything and just wanting everything to be straight and come out my way, but that's not how it's going to be. And if I stop resisting, then things will flow. And that's kind of what I want to, you know, just uh, portray for everyone to connect with that and, and kind of live a worryless life. <laughs> so this song I hope can, can be in the start of everyone's day and just enjoy it, you know, enjoy the moment. It's a pretty funky beat. And yeah, I really like this song. I like to perform it. It's one of my favorite songs, actually. So I'm excited for this release. How, how do you go about um, recording? Um, do, or do you do it at a studio? Do you do it at your house? What that? What's that process like? Yeah, so I have a home studio and I... I really like to record myself. Like I, I've been doing that for a really long time. Being in a studio is nice, obviously, especially when the equipment is like, you know, up to date and, and the engineer knows what they're doing and they have the patience for you. Uh, for me, um, I'm very perfectionist. So if I don't like something, I want to do it again and do it again. And I'm just one of those rappers that I like to record all in one channel when you do a verse. I don't I, I myself don't like to chop it up. You know, it just sounds choppy for me. So I like to just give the whole intention in the whole verse, do the whole thing. So I learned to record myself. I do have a little background in like art production and engineering. So I, I learned that mainly to apply it in, in my own case. So I really enjoy that time. It's also like an alone time for me because I have a family, you know, a child and everything. Sometimes life gets crazy and loud. So when I get to, you know, get my daughter to be somewhere else, I get this little alone time for me. And it's really therapeutic like, I really like it, and I don't do it all the time. That's why it's special. <laughs> you know, I have to kind of plan it out or when it happens that my um, 
mother-in-law wants my daughter to stay over or something, you know, that's when I take the chance and I'm like, okay, I'll record this verse. So I, I really like to record. That's one of the favorite things that I do. And then I send it over to my mixing mastering engineer, Rudy Call. Shout outs to him. And, and he makes the magic after that. That's that's really cool. It's it's really cool. And I do feel you on that like perfectionism thing. So it's nice to have control of your art. Mm -hmm. um, so what's your, um, what is like a day in the life of, of Netties, you know, as you, you know, juggle all these different projects, have your family, do community organizing? What, what does a typical mm -hmm. day look like you in the art world in Nogales? Well, as a fronteriza, I'm always talking back and forth in English and Spanish, right? And in my my day job profession is being a translator. So I'm also always cultivating that language and, and switching back and forth and being able to express myself in both languages. That has been really important. In the last few years, I've been doing that. Um, so I'm always, you know, with those parts of my brain activated and I get to work on music that same way. I, I like to, even if it's a verse, mostly in English, I have to plug in some Spanish in there or vice versa for me. So when I get to record, it's usually quiet in here and I get to, you know, just do my thing. It's more like a, like a spa day, let's say. And then, you know, there's other days where I have the more work in, in relating to other people that I need to collaborate with. Like if I want to have something of no galeria, a mural or an event, I have to go out and, and talk to people involved with the city, you know, government or other artists. So it really depends on the hat that I'm wearing that day. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Well, keep it, keep it going. You know, I can't wait to see what's next for you and for Nogales. So appreciate Thank everything you. you do and all the different hats you wear. Thank yeah. you. No, for me, it's very important. All, all the support that I get from uh, people like you, you know, individual artists and the Arts Foundation and entities like that. We wouldn't be able to do things without you guys, for sure. I know you said, you know, people can find you, you and your music on all streaming platforms. Is there any other way you think um, are, um, people can connect with you or, or with the work you're doing? Well, they can connect with me mainly on Instagram. There's the at Neftis and at No Galeria. That's where I post what I'm doing, like the events. And I share other events in the community if people want to get involved. And... Um, yeah, my music's everywhere. Just look, look me up as Neftis, N-E-F-F-T-Y-S. This has been Artist Stories featuring the stories of artists and arts organizations in our region. To listen to more podcasts, visit kxci.org. Artist Stories is a project of the Arts Foundation for Tucson and Southern Arizona, which is partially funded by the City of Tucson and Pima County. Me pueden ver, mas no me pueden tocar Invocar esta diosa quisieran lograr Convierto el rap en un ritual habitual Solo los que nunca entenderán hablan mal Y yo voy despreocupada No me importa lo que digan de mí Voy despreocupada Siempre tendrán algo que decir Voy despreocupada Por mientras me verán seguir 
Mejor me ocupo, es vida lo que escupo, la tinta es negra.